Good morning. Uh, Before we uh, get into the sermon, I just want to focus a little bit on God's Word, and I'm going to be reading uh, from the book of Revelation, uh, the first chapter. This is John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, a priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes on earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. I love uh, this uh, time of year uh, as we kind of head into uh, the Christmas season. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. I love everything about it. I love, um, as Pastor Anthony was alluding to, I love to decorate early and I like to undecorate late. Um, I can keep Christmas up for, for a long time and be perfectly content. I love the music. I love the lights. I love everything about the season. Um, but... Uh, in the history of the church, we don't just jump into Christmas usually. Um, it's unfortunate. We have this whole waiting thing uh, that we have to sort of explore as we do find ourselves a lot of times in a season of, of waiting. And we find ourselves waiting for different things and we have different expectations and things that we hope to see, experience, and, and understand in our own daily lives as we kind of go about our business. And so for Sundays and Wednesdays, kind of leading up to Christmas, we're going to be talking about what I just call an honest Christmas, which is let's just ask some honest questions, reflect honestly about what our experiences are and what we hope to experience uh, this season. Christmas is sort of an interesting story in Scripture of coming out of the Thanksgiving um, holiday. Um, I, I grew up in a very small family. I'm an only child. I didn't have lots of cousins or anything like that, and so I didn't experience this. But I've gotten to witness this with my kids, and I've seen it with other people's family. But when the cousins get together, the, the craziness that ensues. Uh, do any of you uh, have cousins? Have you experienced this? Yeah, some of you, right? It's insanity um, when all the cousins get together. And, uh, and there's this excitement and energy in the air. And in the story of Jesus and his birth, when, Jesus, when Mary is pregnant with Jesus, uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And John, uh, it says when Mary and Elizabeth are talking to each other, John sort of moves in the womb with sort of this excitement or this sort of acknowledgement of, of Jesus. And so there's this strange dynamic between these cousins, John the Baptist and Jesus, as we head into this Christmas season. In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist is being sort of confronted by the Pharisees, and they're asking John the Baptist if he's the one that's been foretold to come, if he's the prophet, if he's Elijah, if he's the one that they've all been waiting for. And, and he actually points to his cousin Jesus. And says, no, there's somebody greater that's coming. And we're going to wait for him. And the next day, John is going about his business and he sees his cousin Jesus coming. And he shouts, he declares, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
And this is sort of an interesting thing. We, this is a common text. You hear this every year probably in this time of season. We, we read this often. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we, we hear it, we read it, and it seems kind of um, like just, you know, just a statement. Like we hear this. It doesn't move me in any particular way usually. Um, but what's fascinating to me about this is that when John the Baptist says this, the way the people would have heard it is, is it's much more scandalous and crazy sounding because what John the Baptist is essentially saying is, behold my cousin, the Christmas sacrifice, <laughs> right? Behold Jesus, the one that's going to be killed. And what a weird sort of moment this has to be for people that are witness to this. I can't imagine being at Thanksgiving and one of the cousins shouting at the other cousin, you're the sacrifice, (laughs) behold. Because you see, the lamb is a symbol of sacrifice for God's people. And so this is a very um, strong, vivid statement. And you see this sort of being set up throughout all of Scripture in the Old Testament leading into the New Testament. Abraham tells Isaac that God will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. The Israelites, under the slavery of Egypt, uh, take the blood of a lamb that they sacrificed and smear the blood over their door during the Passover so that the, the angel of death will pass over them. And then every year they celebrate this sacrifice on Passover with the sacrificial lamb. And then the prophet Isaiah prophesies that God's coming Messiah will be like a sacrificial lamb being led to the slaughter. Interesting Christmas themes. I've never seen lamb to the slaughter themed Christmas paper, right? But it's a bit shocking. It's, it's, it's a bit dark even. And so what John is revealing to all of us is that Jesus is the ultimate offering. He's going to be the fulfillment of all the things that the Old Testament is pointing to. And you begin to see a shift from the Old Testament into the New Testament with our relationship to God. And it comes with this sort of proclamation of John the Baptist pointing to who Jesus is. You see, we move from a lamb to a man who is Jesus. And we move from this abstract idea of, of the different ceremonies and things you have to do to be forgiven by God to something more physical, which is Jesus who is going to walk the earth among his people, healing the sick and forgiving people in real time, and then ultimately, yes, going to the cross to physically give his life for everyone in a way that is totally different than what they experienced before. And you sort of move from this cosmic relationship with God to a more personal relationship with God. Because you see in the Old Testament, there's, there's always been like a bit of an arm's length between God and his people. You couldn't get close to him. You weren't holy enough. You weren't righteous enough. And so there was always a bit of space until we get to Christ. And so now we have something very human and something very personal and something very physical that is coming on to the scene. And we're invited into the same experience in this Advent season as well. We're invited to experience God in a more personal and physical and human way. And this really sort of spells out something that you've probably heard. It's the basic theology of Christmas, which is 
how we talk about God becoming man, or another way we talk about it as we use the fancy word, incarnation. God is incarnate with us. He is present with us through his son, Jesus, in a, in a profound and mysterious and, and unknown way. We don't know how it works, but it works. And so we talk about this, I think, every year. We hit on themes of incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. He is present in Christ. It's more physical. It's more personal. All these things are true, and it's been true and will always be true. But then as I reflect on it and I look at it, I, I sort of ask, here's the honest question, the honest Christ, Christmas question, which is honestly, honestly, who cares? I mean, what does it matter, right? I mean, life will continue on the way it has from this point forward. Uh, everything you've experienced before leading up to this point uh, is what it is. I mean, there's still pain and suffering in the world. There's still doubts and uncertainty. And so what, what's the big deal with the incarnation? Like, why should we care? And, and not only why should we care, but like people outside of these walls, like, do you think they're walking around wondering today, gee, I wonder how God became incarnate in the son of, you know, Jesus? Like, or are they wondering, what am I going to buy for my in-laws, you know? You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not the question people are asking, not how God can be with us, not how can we experience him in a more tangible way. It's... it's it's real, but it seems like, who cares? And I think the reason why people don't care is because abstract ideas don't solve real problems. They don't. I mean, the incarnation is pretty darn abstract. God with us and a man and Jesus, his son, like, what is that? I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery. But what does that mean? In the, the book of Revelation, that, that phrase, uh, Jesus, uh, who was and is and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That is, Jesus was with us in the beginning and has been through us with, throughout all of time, even to this very second. He is with us, Emmanuel. And and everything that has led you to this moment has been the work of God in your life. Because Jesus, even if you don't notice it or fully see it or experience it, is in the detail of our lives. It's just we're so distracted sometimes or overcome with things that are going on that we just don't always see it. We don't see that Jesus is and has been and will always be with us. But this is important because the only way Christmas makes sense is if we can begin to see it and experience it, not in some abstract theological way, but in a real and tangible way, he is here. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can always see it after the fact, and that's okay, um, but you've got to see it. You've got to see how he is here with us. And he shows up incarnationally, that is, with us through physical, tangible, 
non-abstract things through other people. And so when I was in high school, for example, um, we had a youth leader and um, he was born with diabetes and as he was driving to visit his parents on Easter, um, he hadn't eaten or, or something and his insulin sugars dropped, he fainted, he got into a car accident and he died. And it was, you know, lots of grief, this is very shocking. And of course, you know, you're asking questions like why. He was in his late 20s, probably, or early 30s, young guy. Um, him and his wife had been trying to have a baby, and she had just gotten pregnant, and she was around six months pregnant when this happened. And so, of course, you're thinking, well, where's God? Like, we just celebrated the resurrection, the defeat of death, and here we are. Death is still here. Is God with us? I remember going to the graveside. It was so many people gathered because he was younger and it was a shock. No one was expecting it. Full tears. Everyone's crying. I go up to the widow and, and I'm shaking her hand, giving her my condolences. I was probably 15, 16 at the time. She, she pulls me into a hug and she whispers in my ear. She says, you better become a pastor or my husband will haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so I've been running from a ghost ever since. Right? Now, I mean, what a weird experience in a funeral with grief. And it was humorous. We both kind of laughed. But it was a moment where God was incarnational. He was present. Jesus was present through her influencing me. And, 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 and as you reflect in your own life, there are these moments where you've experienced this as well, where you've experienced the presence of Christ as people have interacted with you physically, tangibly, non-abstractly, like have shown up in ways that were unexpected and surprising. And I would like to think that others will think of me in the same way. Maybe there's a story being shared at some point where somebody says, oh, and then this... You know, awkward pastor said this and changed my life, right? I don't know. Whatever. But we show up. And this is important. This is why this matters. And partly why I think I like Christmas so much. You see, we can only have the conversations we have now because of the situation we have had or are currently in. What I mean is we can only engage with people the way that we can because of what we have experienced. Because Jesus is with us and then we can then be with others. And so what I mean is though, even though the, the world is still broken, even though we still experience death, now when I experience death, there's somebody else who has also experienced death. And they can encourage and walk with me. When you get that phone call from the doctor and find out news that you were not expecting, somebody else has also received that phone call. And they can be with you in a way that no one else can be with you. you this happens with not just sad things, it happens with just everyday life things. Like when you become a parent for the first time, you're calling people maybe that have kids 
and wondering, what did you do when this happened or that happened? Or the first time you buy a house, who do you talk to? You talk to someone who's gone through it before. They walk with you. And this is what it means for God to be with us because the way people really experience Jesus is not when we talk abstractly about what happened, it's when we bring him with us. Forgiveness is abstract until someone forgives you. Caring and encouraging is abstract until it happens, until you do it. So one of my favorite things about this time of year is in some ways I see people act more like Jesus. It's a time of year where uh, people tend to be more generous, more giving. It's a time of year where people tend to, even in the midst of the busyness, they, they tend to be a little more reflective and grateful. They think about others even if it is just to buy them a gift. It shifts for a season the perspective outward towards other people in a way that doesn't happen necessarily all year long. And so when we talk about waiting for Jesus and we wonder who cares, it's because people are waiting for us. And when they experience Jesus in us, they start to get it. They start to understand and experience and see why it matters. And so as we move towards Christmas, may we see Jesus in our life, like see how he's shown up with us in many different ways. And may we leave here bringing him to others so that they may know him too. It's in Jesus' name, amen.